ever imagine all life as you know it stopping instantaneously and every molecule in your body exploding at the speed of light? Total Protonic Reversal. Protonic Reversal. Protonic Reversal. With your host, Kevin Neutron. Broadcasting from a secret underground lair in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. A gigantic middle finger to everything that is rotten about music, rock and roll, and corporate power. The thing is, though, if you don't laugh, you're going to go on a killing spree with shot and nails. Confidence of a hero or a fool. I wasn't exactly certain which. Could not be more professional. That's like a science thing, right? Indeed, indeed, indeed it is. This is a science thing. It is a science place. It's a scientific fact that we're all up in your face. It is time once again for the one, the only, Protonic Reversal. Welcome to it. Welcome to it. Welcome to it. So here we go. This is episode 263. Uh, This is a part two episode. With Mr. Aaron Beam of Red Fang. So if you haven't already, listen in to episode 253. I guess it's been 10 episodes. Okay. Uh, 253 that kind of goes into everything from the, the first EP up to Whales and Leeches. That's good stuff. Consider that a companion piece. Really, you're going to want to... You'll want to buy both volumes. It's quite the compendium. Uh, and uh, that's available anywhere you get your podcast. If you're listening to this... You probably have the ability to listen to that as well. So, uh, but this is part two of that. Uh, let me rip into this. If it is your first time listening to the show, Code Neutron's Proton Reversal is a long running podcast about music and musicians. This is episode 263. If this is your first time listening to the show, all of the archives are at protonicreversal.com and are always free. No ads, no sponsors, no kidding. If you'd like to support the show or get episodes sooner, you can give $1 a month to patreon.com slash Reversal. If you like the show or even just a single episode, please feel free to share it along. Like, subscribe, or post a review. All that helps people find the show and is just a darn nice thing to do. Cool. Got through that. Minimal of hassle and effort. Appreciate everyone tuning in. Tuning in? Listening in? Whatever. Uh... Anyway, uh, let's get right down to it and talk to Mr. Aaron Beam of Red Fang. And here we are once again for the incredible part two with Mr. Aaron Beam of Red Fang. Aaron, welcome back, sir. Welcome back. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me back. So last time we left it, we kind of tore through most of the Red Fang discography. Uh, we, but we didn't get, there's two things we didn't get to. First of all, it's a new record. <laughs> Secondly, <Right. laughs> there, there was one missing. There, there was a record missing that, that we didn't get to. And, and I wanted to, uh, you know, if we're going to honor the, uh, the albums and kind of go through in detail on them, kind of seems disingenuous to leave out one of the bigger ones, right? So uh, <clears throat> why don't we do this? We got through Whales and Leeches was the, was the last one we talked to. So let's talk about Only Ghosts. Can we talk a little bit about that record and... A little different, a little uh, yeah, a little bit of a different approach. Where was uh, where were you guys at at the time? You know, not physically, uh, but as a band. So we had after um, uh, 
finishing whales and leeches we decided that maybe for the next record that we'd try to well in the process of doing whales and leeches we were distracted quite a lot because we did it in portland and we had a lot of you know a lot of uh personal business going on i think just because we'd been gone so much on tour and so we just made a decision that we wanted to try to do something different for only ghosts and so we did it as a uh uh destination record like a destination wedding <laughs> um and we went down to uh venice beach california and recorded it in ross robinson's house slash studio uh it was a pretty amazing experience really it was the first time that any of us had ever done anything like that we ended up living in his house for a month and and the studio was just on the the ground floor so it was like every single day you'd wake up to the sound of your record being made and it was uh uh immersive is is the best way i can describe it sure sure yeah and, and of course uh you know uh, ross robinson did uh you know blood brothers he well he's he's done quite a few bands some of which i'm, I'm less into than others of course but uh, you know at the drive-in the the big at the drive-in record uh yep. how how did you end up connecting with him was he was he a fan already was that something that was arranged or? uh it was um i can't i don't actually remember specifically if he already knew about us but uh we are good friends with a band um from bellingham called uh wild throne yes they had a different yes. name yeah they dog had a shredder name before they recorded with ross yes exactly dog shredder their, their um, cover of Heart of the them. Sunrise is, uh, oh my God. is like one of my favorite things. And I, and I uh, It's amazing. I'm just going to do the thing where I break in and talk about something completely unrelated. But uh, they played the Stork Club in Oakland on a Monday. Uh, and of course, I, 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 I and it was like something ridiculous like, oh, there's seventh out of a seven-band bill of two double-billed things that were put together. But I was still texting, calling everyone like, come down to this show right now. They're like, you're tripping. It's a Monday. I'm like, oh, right. you need to come out. And I, got, and I, I think I managed of like the – dozen or so people i was i was pestering i managed about three people to come out and they were each one of them were like oh my god oh my god i'm so glad i came out i'm like what what i tell you yes you think i like take this lightly um but so so but yeah dog shredder incredible later became wild throne uh yeah yeah so they they introduced you to they had yeah they'd done a record with him and then our friends um cancer bats had done a record with him and i feel like that i can't remember if he actually it's been so long that i don't remember the exact timeline Mm -hmm. i just remember his name coming up and maybe from our manager or maybe he had reached out i'm not really sure but uh we talked to both wild throne and cancer bats and they both said the same thing they said if you have a chance to record with them you absolutely have to do it yeah um they both loved the experience uh as did we and once we expressed any interest at all uh ross actually flew up to portland Hmm. just for an afternoon just to come (laughs) meet up he was only there for like three hours he was like i landed wow uh if somebody can i'll can meet you guys Someplace we like met for sandwiches and a beer or something, and uh, and then he was like, "Okay, I gotta go back to the airport," uh, and that just really like, you know, his that kind of dedication, like you can't really deny that. So we just knew at that moment, like, of course we're gonna do this record with this with with Ross, and yeah. it was, you know, it was pretty life changing experience. So thanks to him. 
the so yeah so first of all just the idea and for those that are and a lot of people that listen to the show are are musicians themselves or have been involved in the music world but the idea of be, going to a place to record like having like a destination where you're that's what you're doing you're there They're, like it's free of distraction you know nobody's like you know, yeah uh, going home no no did I did I uh, you know did I feed the dog did like you know, whatever right <clears throat> like all of those things are have to be sorted out ahead of time and you your concentration is on the art and, and, and on the music. And did that change for you guys? Did that change how you uh, how you approached recording, or were you able just to uh, kind of listen a little deeper, or just what was the difference between that and doing the other ones, which all were um, generally closer to home, with the yeah. distractions of home as well? Uh, a lot of it was actually about the preparation. That was much much different because uh, ever since Murder the Mountains, um, we've gone in with you know, several finished songs, but then just kind of a lot of ideas because we know we have the luxury of, okay, we can do some basic tracking and then uh, start adding overdubs. You know, we can even do it a month later or I can just do something from home and mail it in. But in this case, when we originally booked the time with Ross, it was only two weeks. So, and he said, he had warned us, you have to sing while we're tracking. Like while we're oh, tracking wow. drums, we have to be like, he was like, you have to have, you also have to have lyrics ready. And so, uh, because so much of what he does is about what does this song mean? And let's try to get, uh, I need okay, to know what sure, the song yeah. is about and what it means so that we can get the best like uh, recorded representation of of the essence of this song's um message so brian and i were like uh pretty intimidated by that at first but what <laughs> yeah, we did was different we, right? um <laughs> yeah so what we did was we actually we approached it like let's just get as much of a live set ready as we can yeah of brand new material and then we actually toured down to the studio because we wanted to bring all our own equipment so we just you know we booked a sh- tiny little like four or five show tour where we played a bunch of the new brand new songs uh on the way down to uh his place and then once you're there and you get into it he his whole process was also way different from anybody that we've worked with before uh it's essentially like one song at a time you just do one song from start to finish and so you jam it a few times for him and then he sits like comes it's a pretty small room that we do the drum tracking and we're all crammed in there and it was super hot and he would come in after we'd gone through it a couple times and then just listen to us play it a few times and then offer arrangement ideas Mm -hmm. like ideas for different ways to different ways to approach the drums uh because we're focusing on getting drum tracks at first and then uh we'd record a you know we'd record basically for tracking drums, we'd record scratch everything, including vocals, and we could hear everything in our headphones all the time. We all had like very specific mixes. Right. And, you know, we just do a bunch of takes of the drums until we got the ones that just felt the most powerful. And he'd edit it all together. And then I'd go back and do bass, and then I'd add the guitars, and then we'd add vocals last. But uh, it was one song at a time. So for, from start to finish, just so that it makes sense based on the way that he. Like I was saying earlier, he wants to capture 
the sonic essence of the meaning of the song. Yeah. And so to kind of break for, out of that feeling and like go into like, what if one song is about, you know, flowers and the next one is about uh, burying your dog or whatever. <laughs> like it's hard to shift back and forth between those feelings. Yeah. 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 So his thing is to do just kind of stick to the one, stick to the one. Exactly. And, all right. Uh, and that's, uh, you know, a little bit different than how you guys have, work traditionally was there any sort of like whiplash with that to kind of like oh okay sure yeah or was there a situation where like oh i guess it's about this or was it all pretty well right. well known i think that brian and i knew pretty well what uh our own songs were about i generally <laughs> write lyrics right. um I, that's which was i know it sounds silly but I actually usually when i write lyrics i'll just like have a melody already right and then just grab a pencil and then just kind of like poop out a whole bunch of lyrics and then start singing it. And then it's only later when I read them, I'm like, oh, now I see what I was writing about. Like, I don't know what it means until I've already finished it. And then I have to write a second verse. It's usually I write the second verse, just stream of consciousness. And then I have to figure out what the hell it means so that I can write a second verse. <laughs> right. <laughs> like you know, uh, whatever your subconscious was on about when you when you did it down. <laughs> exactly. So but then the main, the scary thing is that with Ross it's like okay you have to tell everybody in this room right now exactly what this song is about. Oh, man. And in some cases it's pretty gnarly, pretty personal stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was like for me I'm already a pretty sherry guy. Yeah. Uh so it was like, oh yeah, I can do this. And I think it made other people more uncomfortable than it made me for me to share all this stuff. Uh, but for <laughs> Brian, Brian, it was, I mean, he'll he'll admit this, that it was a more a painful process for him to to go through that with, with Ross. And I think he ended up having a, he said this before in interviews, he ended up being like, you know, there was times when he wanted to kill Ross for forcing him to, you know, share to reveal those. the true meaning yeah. of, of, <laughs> of his lyrics. But, uh, uh, yeah, so it was, you know, it was pretty weird. And also the thing that makes it a little awkward for me and probably for Brian too, is that suddenly it feels like the focus of your band is on what do the lyrics mean? You know, yeah. whereas for years, for 10 years, the focus of our band was like, how do we write riffs that make people want right. to like throw beer at us? Right, right. Killer, killer riffs. Like Red Fang is a killer riff band. And exactly. <laughs> like, that's, that's, that's almost the raison d'etre of, of the outfit. So to have a sudden uh, shift towards like, <laughs> you know, well, what do you specifically mean by this, uh, y y you know, this writing prompt that led to this lyric? Like what, you know, what emotion did it evoke? That's kind of crazy. Like that's kind of a, yeah, a way different heavy. way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a pretty big, pretty big, big shift from what we were used to because we're, uh, you know, everyone knows that, at this point, probably who's seen our videos that they're pretty darn, they're lighthearted and real silly. And right. we've said it plenty of times, like every, everybody in the band knows that the lyrics are much darker than the content of our videos. Yeah. Uh, which are tend to be more fun. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think is totally fine. I think it's a good um, little contrast because it's, I think we talked about this before, probably that you're contrasting the, you know, the fact of darkness in everyone's life with the fact that there's also a lot of lightness and that those two coexist regularly. But um, I don't think that 
anybody had ever really like fully acknowledged the content of the darkness before. It was just like, oh yeah, yeah, the lyrics are pretty dark and the videos are lighthearted because we just joke around generally. And right. so this is the first time that all of us had to confront the fact that, oh yeah, the shit is actually it's kind of heavy. Really dark. Some yeah, like sometimes <laughs> different kind really of heavy. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Not the kind of heavy you might expect, but a, a, a kind of heavy nonetheless. Yep. Yep. And, and so, but yeah, to have. Go ahead. No, no, I no, please by all means continue thought. Uh, it was just to. Fin- I think th- I probably already said it, but just the idea that suddenly the focus was entirely on the heaviness of the lyrics and the you know the darkness of that and like that you know I've never thought of our band as being like lyrically driven it's you know uh like I said I write lyrics stream of consciousness usually a month after we've already recorded the song or like oh I have to record vocals today I guess I should probably write some lyrics to this song yeah so it was a pretty it was an upside down approach did you Knowing that you were going to have to do that, did it change your approach to it any? Uh, meaning, <clears throat> did you listen to anything uh, musically or, or, or kind of like take inspiration or sort of like see like, well, how do they do it? Uh, like, I don't know, like a, like a Leonard Cohen or, you know, more mm. like more like lyrical artists that maybe don't work in your genre, but uh, kind of do approach it that way and kind of just see how do they do it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. For I, I did, although not um, based on lyrical content or lyrical approach. It was actually more about um, since we were thinking about putting the vocals on before we ever even got to the studio. Right. I actually started just listening to a lot of more just traditional pop arrangements for oh, how do how do how do you build like how do you build the vocals on a song? And yeah. it was like okay, there's just started kind of writing down formulas and lots, you know, it's lots of times it's like chorus, you know, verse, pre-chorus, chorus, or like whatever. So just trying to structure, it was more about structure than it was content. Like getting the lab coat on and just <laughs> almost exactly di- diagnosing, okay, how did they, how did he get from point A to point B here? Yeah, totally. Uh, and, <clears throat> well, and when I jumped in before, I just wanted to say, I think that that's, you know, that record probably has some of John's finest, uh, moments like the some some of the drumming stuff on there is is really I'm not that like you know he's any slouch obviously he's always pretty he's pretty consistent of course. badass but like that's that's some of his finest hours I think are on that record. Uh, also, it feels like it'd be disingenuous to not talk about the Predator video uh, that, that's on there, <laughs> <laughs> which is yeah. which is a favorite of mine of, of all your very entertaining videos. Uh, uh, like most dudes my age I, I have a certain soft spot for an action era uh, and that is like one of my favorites so absolutely did, did that come like as it was why do you just like okay guys we're gonna do a predator or is it more just did, did, did they kind of get snuck in like how, how did that video come to pass because again you're talking about like you know kind of like heavy content for the record but it's like the videos are more entertaining we've established that yeah i think if i remember right that actually may have been brian's idea initially and like from a long, long, long time ago. But that guy could be wrong. I mean, he's had a number of different, just like rough video ideas. Uh, it may have been that he had more of like a, um, um, what's that Joseph Conrad book? That, oh, uh, Heart of Darkness. Uh, Apoc- uh, yes, no, Apo- yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know why. Yeah, I like an Apocalypse. No, no, Heart of Darkness <laughs> is the book, but then like Apocalypse, Apocalypse Now. Apocalypse Now is the movie, and then they did the documentary yeah. that's Hearts of Darkness. Which... Right, exactly. Um, I, it may have been that, but in any case, 
yes, that video was uh, felt like one of the bigger productions that we did just because we had to do so much stuff on this guy. Um, Kai is Kai is the guy's name. He uh, donated his he has a bunch of property out in sort of like central Oregon um, and does, and is a, like a special effects and like stunts guy. Yeah. So it was super fun, like just driving down there and we actually I think we got a hotel and like did two full days of shooting out in in his woods uh but yeah i mean i was i i felt a little bit like uh my bossy i put my bossy hat on for a second because i was determined to be the guy that had that the minigun the like yeah of course yeah i was like i got it If I can of have course. any moment in any video, that's the one that I gotta have. Call dibs. That's that's the move, man. Exactly. <laughs> I, I I wasn't a mistaken impression that minigun miniguns were a um, standard accoutrement uh, for many years because of that movie. Whereas like oh no, people are like right. oh no you would that would not that would not be the case. No. That's... No 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 <laughs> not at all. No no way. Those are mounted on helicopters. <laughs> yeah. Too. There's 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 no way that would work. I'm like, oh, okay, well, it looks cool in the movie. That's the important thing. Yes. Uh, Yeah, and that one, you know, there's... uh, It's pretty pretty rad. Like, you know, you've got a lot of... um, Like, you got got the... uh, the meme, the, the you know, they got the, like the handshake, like yes. it's yeah, yeah. which is which I was so glad when that became a meme. I was like, finally, a meme format I like. Uh, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but I mean, it, it's it's, uh, but to a certain degree, it's also a far cry from like prehistoric dog or something, right? You're like you're going out to a location and like acting in a way, like yeah. it's, <laughs> which is which is which is kind of nuts. In the same way that you're like, oh, the lyrics have to be done before we record the record. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. So these are these are all kind of changes that 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 are. Granted, the band has grown to a level that it makes sense for it, but it, it you know it, it is a little bit different. Was there any kind of growing pains with that, or was that did it seem like you guys were just ready at that point for that kind of stuff? I think that the there's it was a pretty in both cases there was a pretty um, natural progression. Uh, it felt like a natural progression from our our end, and I feel like that's sort of been the theme of the band from the start is that none of it is like there's well almost everything has felt like a fairly natural uh progression is not necessarily even the right word but like everything that we've done has felt like oh this is just what makes sense at the time um so whether it's the way we write songs right now you know or the the way that the songs sound the style of the songs we're writing just make fit for what is going on in our lives right now um and there have definitely been points at which we've had to uh you know put the kibosh on certain things and i can't really think of any examples right now but there are a few you know it's our it's the job of our manager to present any type of ideas and she does a fantastic job of she's very very active and uh comes up with lots and lots of suggestions and some of them were like that's not our style we can't do that <laughs> i mean so, are there things like hey uh Rolades wants to use <laughs> use something in like, uh, one of their ads or something along I, those lines i think Ro- Rolades would actually be a pretty good one actually, based on yeah. our, <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> now that I, as I said it aloud, I was like, actually, that one wouldn't be so bad. You know, get some get some yeah. free antacids. Hell yeah, you know. Right, right. <laughs> the road, the, the road is harsh on the stomach. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, the beige buffet can really wreak havoc on your uh, 
<laughs> digestive system. <laughs> yes. But uh, no, I mean, it's lots of times it's even, it's even just stuff about like, would you guys want to do like a, a, you know, a, um, a paid meet and greet kind of thing before a show. Oh, sure. It's like, no, we'll never, yeah. no, yeah. that's not our style. Well, I'll just go hang out by the merch table and just say hi to people after the show and just meet them like a normal person, which is what I am. So uh, it's more stuff like that. The stuff that like you could easily feel like the transition from like, oh, now we're, you know, recording in this very professional studio and we're doing these videos with a real budget and like a, you know, like catering and, and, yeah. uh, or craft services as they call it and all that kind of stuff. And it like, I feel like you could easily fall into the sort of like that, oh, we're a, you know, now we're like a product. And so let's start selling every part of that product, which is totally fine for plenty of people. It's just that we don't feel comfortable with that stuff. So we just don't, we just don't do it. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and that's sort of more like the the arena rock world, and that that more that disconnect, uh, that separation, the the purposeful separation between audience and artist, which is not to say one way or the other which is superior. But when you're coming from the world of punk rock, you know, I think there's a there's there's a, a, a somewhat amount of natural disdain to uh, you're like that's that's not for us. That's <laughs> yeah. It just doesn't feel it feels real unnatural to us because yeah, like you said, we kind of we're have more of that punk ethos of just like we're the guys that were standing in the audience a second ago and now we're on stage yeah. and then we'll be standing in the audience right afterwards too. T almost, uh, uh, you know, I, I saw Mike Watt in a documentary talking about like taking turns being on stage, like, and, and, and like he had a real, I have to paraphrase it cause it was years ago when he's talking about, yeah, you know, a lot of people, you know, the arena rock bands, like audiences down here and they're like looking up to the arena, but like world I come from, you're on the same level. You're just taking turns being on right. stage. And I was like, oh, man, that's a, that's a deep stuff, Mike Watt. Right on. Mike Watt said something uh, insightful and smart. Yeah. Shocking. This just in. He has an interest, a very interesting perspective on the whole punk world. Yep. I, uh, yeah, he's, a, I, he, he's a great dude. He's a treasure. I, I felt very honored to have him on the show, and I felt uh, very proud that I was I kept him on task. <laughs> because yeah. he's yeah, a, yeah. he's a hard dude to wrangle. That mind's going a mile a minute, and it's like, oh my god, okay, it's hold true. on, let's go back to this. All right, all right. All right. Um, so, uh, so just okay. So, so anything else with Only Ghost before we move on to uh, to Arrows with the, with the deep dive? I feel like that's uh, I, I don't want to be I want to give short shrift to it. It's obviously a huge part of your musical career. Yeah. Anything else that we're that we didn't that we're not getting? To? I think that's pretty good from my perspective. But yeah, I think it's pretty good from everyone's perspective. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I do want to acknowledge, though, just now in real life that uh, that doing a destination. Well, a couple things. One, I have to give thanks again to uh, Ross, because, like I said, we were actually scheduled to only do two weeks. And he pretty quickly realized, like, we can't make the record that he feels like we need to make unless we do a whole month. And he just, which is wild. He was yeah. like, he was like, I, I know you guys don't have the budget to pay me anymore, but we're just going to do it. We're going to take a month. And he worked. That's awesome. Like twelve hour days for thirty days straight on that record. So uh, he is a total animal. He's a monster. He's awesome. And then I also want to acknowledge just all of our 
uh, people in Portland back home who were who were very supportive of us and kept the dogs fed and <laughs> kept my son fed and watered. Right. <laughs> uh, you know that we could you can't do a, a 30 day uh, record like that without uh, and same thing for touring without support from people back home. So, yeah, I thanks mean, to them. Keep, keep the home front from burning to the ground while you're going out and making your magnum opus. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the uh, well and. I mean, I, I'm, that's probably the only record that you, you've ever made like that, right? Where, where there's that much time to concentrate on it. Yeah. Did, did you feel like, uh, and I'm just going to, I've always said with tour, there's a certain amount of like you get like your sea legs after, you know, it's usually about a week or so that like you're kind of, you're out to sea now and like stuff kind of changes. And there's another change that happens like a little bit further on, you know, somewhere between like four to five weeks, so on and so on. But did you where get you the... get your C stomach where you're like, okay, I'm ready to go home. <laughs> <laughs> but did you have a? Did you get like recording legs in that way? Like, did you feel like out to sea with recording at all? With um, uh, I feel pretty comfortable in the studio, so I felt like it was just like after, you know, one day we're already fine. You know, yeah. it was just settling into it. Ross just made us feel so comfortable that, uh, and that area of um venice beach had so many options for like oh it's easy to go find food over here and to yeah. find get coffee over here it's just like everything yeah. was super easy and uh yeah, there's worse so places there like to all, be all... let's be clear <laughs> yeah yeah exactly i mean he his house is beach on i mean you walk out the door yeah. and you cross the boardwalk and you're on the beach so it was hard to feel uncomfortable there I remember, and I, and this is going to be a dumb story because I don't remember the details of it. But John from Akimbo and Sandwriter had a pretty good uh, story about about Ross Robinson's place that I th- that I think he told on on his show. I unfortunately can't remember a single detail of it, so I probably shouldn't have brought it up at oh, all. Yeah. But it's great. <laughs> the thing that you can't and I just, care about. Yeah, yeah. I just saw Sandwriter on Thursday. The, I, my it was the first show that I've attended since uh, you know since the lockdown, and of course, then it turns out that. Since the One Troubles. The, what's that? <laughs> I said since the Troubles. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's that's. I, I saw pictures of it. And I was like, yes, that's awesome. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> Love those dudes. Uh, why don't we tear into arrows? Yes. So what I'd like to do let's here do is let's uh, – uh, so first of all, it's rad. Uh, I, I think it's it's amongst your best, personally, for, uh, from my perspective. I think that it definitely rewards repeat listenability. There's a lot of interesting uh, aspects for how you guys approach the songs, almost kind of a more noisy perspective uh, for some of it. That I thought some of some of them were like kind of interesting, interesting decisions that um, for a, a record for a band that's been around, around that long, like I thought it was you know kind of ballsy in a way to to make yeah. a record like this. So. What I want to do is let's, let's hit all the songs, and if you can, give me a little uh, insights into, you know, whether it's the arrangements, uh, you know, lyrics, uh, any, any any thoughts you might have, the recording process, anything about the specific songs and how it why, how it sits where it is, where it sits where it is, anything that springs to mind, uh, and we'll just go through sure. each one of them. G- give, give each one its little time in the sun. How about that? Yeah, that okay. sounds great. Okay. As long as uh, you're not bored by me talking about this stuff. No, then... no, no. I, like I said, I think it, I think it's a ripper, man. It's it's uh, it's one of cool. one of my favorites of the year so far, and I'm a hard dude to please. So, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Uh, so it starts off with "Take It Back." Yes. Uh, so this one was a track that Brian had demoed just by himself uh, at home, 
it was pretty gothic sounding. I think he just like played guitar and then octaved it down. That's a new verb I just invented. <laughs> I think that pedal um, just got made. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he, uh, I loved it. I was like, let's just put this on the record as is. But, um, you know, we were in a studio. So uh, Chris and David and, and Brian recorded like a, you know, re-recorded it in the studio. And then that, what you're hearing on the record is actually this, I think it's the second half of the song. Because mm. one one of the original ideas we had, maybe it's just the first half, I can't remember how we ended up doing it. But Chris had an idea of, for the sequence, bookending the record with Take It Back, like have it start in the second half and fade out, and then have it fade in and play the first half at the very end, which I thought was a rad idea. Yeah. But uh, it didn't work just time-wise, so... Um, but I love starting the album with that song uh, because it's so we have fallen into the same pattern that, you know, like Metallica did a thing where it's like every record has like a pretty, you know, their sequence seemed to be kind of the same. Like you could just substitute out the different songs. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. Like, they have like the same type of song in each slot. I know exactly, exactly what you're in talking the same about. Slot. Yeah. Yeah. And so a few of us were like, we're champions of let's fuck with people who right. are expecting us to do that again. Cause we've started the last several with like a barn burner. Here's the banger. And yeah. then, <laughs> yeah. And then the sort of like single comes next or whatever. Yeah. So I really liked the idea of starting off with something that just was like, what the hell is this? And then that kind of set the stage for, um, for the next song for yeah. unreal estate, which, uh, is a is a track that the history of that one's kind of weird. So that's a I wrote this real strange riff that was like twice as fast as what you hear in that song, mm -hmm. and the timing is just really really strange. Yeah, and so we were practicing it like way way slower, and then we simplified the riff even more. So we got rid of all these sort of like fiddly bits that were in the middle, <laughs> and was and we're sure. like okay. Just for the sake of like breaking it down for rhythmically, we're gonna play just the little turnaroundy things and just chug out on the open D yeah. just to like simplify it. And then once we did that and we like made a demo of that, I was like, oh shit, this is actually way better than the, <laughs> than the, the fast the fast fancy one. Actually, kind of sounded like it sort of sounded like this sort of like weirdly looping thing that you may have heard on like a you know desert sessions oh yeah recording or something. sure 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 and there's and there's something to be said for that for sure but then also sometimes you know you, you talked last time about you know ryan coming in with some academic decathlon crazy riff and then using yeah right. let's just use the first four notes of that and that that'll be that right. be killer <laughs> so that's kind of, yeah that's kind of what happened with this one is that and then i i loved i i kind of built out that song in the computer mm -hmm. um I love the idea of just like the drums staying exactly the same the whole time because yeah. the accents are so weird and then put and then like doing stuff on the guitar that kind of like played off of that. We didn't end up keeping that. We ended up like having the drums kind of shift when the guitar solos uh, came in. Um, but yeah, that song was uh, it was um, it's a tricky one to mix because it's got so many different layers of different things. 
and I played a bunch of the guitar so like the layered guitar solos on it and there's like a bunch of wrong notes that are in there on purpose um but just trying to get the balance of that is kind of a trick but that's like one of my favorite songs on the whole record just the way that it develops and it's essentially the same uh I've had a goal in my mind since becoming totally obsessed with that band Federation X yes FedEx. I, the- I almost wore a Federation X shirt today on this show. Nice. Yes. Uh, they are, in my opinion, the best band that I have that I've that I'm familiar with at just playing the same riff and just making minor tweaks to it to build oh, yeah. a song for you know for four and a half minutes or whatever it is like charlie jackie song, freedom pride southern exactly. comfort i mean yeah they're yep. the kings of that hatchet man yeah they're all just like minor tweaks of the same riff the whole time but just making it like more and more and more energy and radness and so i've had like this personal goal for like eight years to try to do something kind of like that and i sort of i tried to do it a few times on this record and this that unreal estate is sort of like I think the most successful version of that, though it sounds nothing like FedEx. Yeah, yeah. It I sounds mean, more like... Oh, go ahead, sorry. It's just, I mean, structurally, but it sounds more like a Melvin song crossed with some sort of like, you know, operatic Halloween music. That is weird that that happened, but... Recording in progress. Okay. Uh, yeah. Sorry, I knocked into the the thing there. Uh, oh. <laughs> I got too excited about it. Well, and to me, what I was gonna say is, to me, it almost without sounding anything like the Wipers, kind of evokes the same vibe of the Wipers, where you know they would just have that, especially like you know Youth of America, where just you know he's just going for like forever and ever. You're like, oh my god, like what's gonna happen? Something's gonna happen. Clearly, what's gonna happen? And then you're like, oh, awesome. You know, like yeah, that. But but while not at all sounding like the wipers but like evoking that right. tension the tension like almost like, like kraut rock almost in that way yes absolutely and that's what that's yeah it's funny because that's uh the original riff kind of had that uh it didn't sound like kraut rock but it had that same sort of approach that i know that uh, motoric josh motoric is what that's called yeah yes exactly but that josh joshua Hami, um when he first started queens of the stone age he was like i want to make something that that does that thing and then he said only later did i discover that kraut rock was the you know that had been done in the 70s yeah um and so that's kind of like that original riff sort of had that same vibe to it and so this is just a much slower kind of more melvin's version of the same thing that's cool i'm gonna uh, next i'm gonna i'm gonna think about that next, next time i listen to it because I th- and i think that that's i think in another another epoch of red fang it would be clear that that would be like the opener Right, like they would, it wouldn't, right. it wouldn't have to take take it back in front of it, or, or even yeah, even another song. But like, I like the kind of like, like to me, it 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 reminds me of like the the way the album is sequenced. Kind of reminds me more like of like a nineties, um, like Unwound or like Carp or something, where it's mm-hmm. like you don't necessarily have. Like nowadays, everything's got to be like okay, hardest banger first immediately, catch their attention. <laughs> like yeah. it's 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 sort of it's like we're gonna do what we want, and like at this point, you're gonna you're probably gonna be along for the ride. So just you know, strap in, Bucko, let's do this. Yeah, and you know, if people are gonna listen to if they're listening to an album, we don't you know we're not putting out 
10 singles who are yeah. putting out an album. So if you want to listen to the album, this is how it is probably best absorbed is the way that we tried to, we tried to perfect it Absolutely. as a whole. Um, so yeah, next one is, uh, title track arrows, right? Which is a song that, um, that main riff I'd written, I don't know, like three, four years ago or something. Mm -hmm. I mean, the record we recorded in, in 2019. So I think I'd written that riff in probably like 2017 or something. And just was banging my head against the wall about how to make it sound like put the right other things with it like i just couldn't figure out what the second riff was or what the chorus was going to be or anything and we kept trying these different things and i was like yeah it's okay but it's just i know that it can be better yeah uh and that one i was like really thinking about the song um there's three songs that that uh strongly influence that one um one is heavy shoes by big business uh oh which is uh, one that I think Scott sings on. Um, it's on that, uh, oh, Battlefields Forever. Battlefields Forever, that's right. <laughs> By the way, I, so, I did not know there was a Bette Midler and Lily Tomlin movie called Big Business. Ah, <laughs> I do remember that movie, actually. Um, it's on Disney Plus, so was, if you're curious. I don't know about Marley. Oh, okay. But... <laughs> um, right, watch it right after Marley and Me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um. I don't know which one would make me cry more. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so it was like that. the spirit of that song with um, sort of like I was trying to also get the vocal approach came from a combination of two songs. One was, uh, uh, I'm going to have to look up what the song is actually called, but um, do you know the band um, Dead Now? Yeah, Andrew's band, of course. Yes. Yeah. So we did we did a tour with them, uh, and this one particular song was just like, oh, this is the perfect kind of like general idea of how I want the vocals to sound. Mm -hmm. But it didn't really. I was trying to actually just like sometimes I'll just take another vocal line and just sing it over my riff. Yeah. And and then just modify it, but it just didn't work at all. Um, I'm trying to find which song it was but whatever it's a dead now song is that is that um, the we'll see so it's got uh, richie black morning which I, I love that um yes birdly uh it's power shapes power shapes is power the shapes. one okay, i was gonna say yeah. that's that so listen to that song and you'll be like oh okay i see but then the last one was uh, uh a band from portland called menomina that's i don't know are, them. I, I don't think they're way more of a pop band okay they're like for a long time, it was just these three dudes. Uh, is that and like, they the would, like, write, like the Muppets? Like the Muppets, the Menomina? Exactly. That's where their name came okay. from, I'm pretty sure. But they would like um, write songs by just, they were all computery, literate, whatever. And so they would just like send ideas back and forth. They would write songs in their computers just by like, hey, I came up with this drum part. And then somebody would lay, layer over some keyboards and then they'd send it on. And then the next person would put some saxophone on it or whatever. So. Sure. Uh, but the song that I stole the vocal line from is, um, I can't remember, but it's, it's a Menomina it's song. It's from them. Like, that, that's... Oh, it's, um, Five Little Rooms is what it's called. Cool. Which is also a great song. Uh, and once, 
So that was one of those ones. Sorry, I'm going on at length, but essentially, that's that's that what this show is, that, my dude. That's, that I was just that's... beating my head against the wall and could not figure it out. And then one morning, I woke up at like I was going through this bout of like I have morning insomnia, not not night insomnia. Hmm. So I'll wake up at like three in the morning or four oh, in the morning. Sure, yeah. And then just can't go back to sleep. Uh, it's my dad has the same thing, and so I was up at four, and I was like, well, I can't go back to sleep, so I just went to the studio and then just started just like basically like physically attacking the song and just busted out like i had a drum like some practice recording i just put that on and then i just played more bass parts over it i made up the intro made up all the lyrics and the you know vocal line and just did it all like in one you know insomnia morning uh and then layered on all the guitars and everything so that one was just like a completely finished product that i demoed by myself one morning at 4:30 a.m. Uh, <laughs> free of distraction. And then we just <laughs> exactly. And then we just like, you know, but it took like 4 years to get there. And then once it was done, we just took it in the studio and we just learned the parts and just recorded it. Uh sl- slight sidebar, uh and Andrew definitely a friend of the show, the uh, of Dead Now. Uh we had a there was a tilt song that was the theme song for Protonic Reversal for like I think the first 47 ah. episodes or something along those lines, but yeah. I'll I'll love to to Andrew. We love Andrew. Yes. Uh, and I'll I'll love to taking advantage of insomnia moments to be creative because otherwise you just sit yes. there and be like, well, I guess I'm awake now. Yeah, All exactly. Right. <laughs> so that one was sitting for a bit before you but, but and then did you have the idea that like, hey, this should be this should be with this grouping, or was it, um, like you you knew that that should be on the record immediately? Uh, to me, I just just because I, I labored over it for so long, and it felt like a pretty catchy song right off the bat. Yeah, it yeah, was like it's, all this, it's good. You know, yeah, um, <laughs> it just I don't know, and it's in B. All of all of the singles that I sing on, they're always in the key of B. It turns out. Oh, interesting. So in the Free key of dog, not, not the tuning, though. Wires. What's that? They're, they're in the key of not the tuning, right? Right, exactly. Yeah, you're not yep. Kowloon Walled City. Come on. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's interesting. So you always kind of gravitate towards that. Is that just like where you're comfortable uh, singing or like where you just, hey, yeah, this sounds cool. Absolutely. I think it's just my vocal range is just perfect for, for that key. That's essentially what it boils down to. I have a pretty narrow range, and so it works really well right there. It's okay in C, but not that great. But B is the best. Yeah. And I've noticed that watching other bands, like even watching uh, um, uh, Sandwriter the other night and seeing, you know, Helms Ali a million times, that whenever bands just sit on that B chord, that's like, I don't know if it's amps or what it is, but that feels like it's just the heaviest it's a happy place, chord yeah. you can play. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's, so yeah. huge sounding. It always is. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 there's a, there's a special kind of uh, I don't know some some music theorist theorist. Sure, I'm sure it could break down why that is the case, but I've noticed that as yeah. well. Yeah, if you want it to be heavy, B and B heavy. If you want it to be right. heavy, yeah, that's right. Uh, what's the next song? Uh, uh, my disaster. My disaster. My disaster. Yes. Can you? How are you impressed that I know that the sequence of our record? I'm, I'm astounded because, yeah, that's <laughs> I. That 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 means to me, and this is my theory. You probably spend a lot of time sequencing it, right? Thinking about it. We yeah, we thought about it a lot <laughs> uh, because 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 that's gonna di- burn in your brain for a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, my disaster was um, one that 
uh, I had this little riff that um, it sounds a lot like, uh, you know, that band um, Status Quo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, nice. There's nice. a song there, there's a song called A Better Way um, that John and uh, David have wanted to cover for quite a while. Okay. Yeah. And. And, you know, I've been sort of like listening to it because it's a rad song. And then I just wrote <clears throat> wrote this riff that's like, oh, that kind of sounds like, I think we our working title for that song was A Worser Way. Because it's really just like, <laughs> yeah, it's not, I mean, it's essentially just an odd time version of that same right. riff. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it was like that song, uh, Chris Funk came to one of our practices before we uh, went into the studio. And while he was there, I was like, hey, guys, can we just try this thing out and it was like that riff and then just like and then let's just move up to the sea and hang out there for a second and then just play this add this other thing of one of david's riffs and we practiced it like three times and then never played it again and we were in the studio and we're you know been there for a few days and i was like oh hey we have some time maybe we should just bust out that song real quick yeah and so we just you know like three maybe two or three takes and it was fine. And then we threw some vocals on afterwards and some guitar solos. And it's one of my favorite tracks on the record. But it was one that, like, I think that we spent a total of 20 minutes writing and recording that song. <laughs> but but there's also something to be said for that melange of sort of a new wave song arrangement and sensibility type mixed with, like, the heaviness. Like, there's something really yeah. cool about that that, uh, you know, you know it, it, again – Sometimes some some stuff comes a little easier than others, right? Some some are a little absolutely, <laughs> yeah. And that's one of those. That was also that's one of those things that I was really trying to push. I think we all have been for years. It's just it's been difficult for us to get over our own propensity or our own inclination towards uh, nitpicking and um, perfectionism. Yeah. So we have a tendency to way overthink stuff, and to you know it's worked out for us in some cases i feel like arrows wouldn't have been the song that it was if i hadn't taken three years to write it but then there's also songs that you do have to allow yourself to just be like let's just see what comes out and just let it come out because it turns out that uh the greatest uh what gives you the best chance for doing something of high quality is to do a huge quantity of things. So if you're trying to make a great song and you spend your whole life writing one song, chances are it's not going to be that good. Right. <laughs> but if you're trying to write a great song and you write 10,000 songs, yeah, there might be like, you know, maybe, maybe like 10 of them will be fucking amazing. Or maybe one will be, you know, just like transcendental. And then 15 of them will be pretty dang good. But if you only write one, the chances that it's going to be totally, you know, knock it out of the park are pretty low. You, uh, I think back to that Tar song, uh, Good Part, Wrong Band. You know, that's... <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, and, and then also, I mean, do you, so do you find yourself kind of doing the thing where you, you know, put a bunch of uh, demos together and, and then you're like, like, oh, that's cool. But not maybe as cool as I thought it was when I recorded it. Or like, hey, that part's awesome. But the rest of this is totally. like only okay. And, it, it, the other thing that we that often happens, I feel like, is that there's a 
thing that I is, I'm like, oh, this is so rad. And then when, once you play it with everybody in the band, it yeah. changes. It right. always changes. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, oh, mm. it's not sounding the way I, I, I initially thought of it. And sometimes it's like, so I'm just going to let it go. Yeah. And other times you just let it, let the flow of the personality of the band just take, you just have to let go of your pride and your like conception of what it is supposed to be and just yeah. let it become what it is. And in some cases it gets worse and in some cases it gets better. Yeah. So, I mean, it can go, it can go the other way, right? You can have somebody like, eh, I got this thing. It's, it's okay. And then you start playing. And you're like, Whoa, this is great. Yeah. <laughs> like, yes. Okay. Okay. That's, that's the other side of it. Right. Yeah. Uh, too high is the, is the next one. Okay. So this is a T-W-O. track that, um, <laughs> that Brian came up, came in with that was, I think mostly, mostly pretty much, written i think that we the outro is the thing that we all kind of like we worked on together um but uh that that song like as soon as we finished it to me it felt the most like an old school kind of red fang yeah arrangement and like everything it just like felt very much like oh this feels like the first record again feels like something we could have written for the first record maybe it's a little bit more fancy but not much um definitely hits right down that line though yeah the only thing that made me a little bit sad is that uh luckily you'll be able to hear this on the um the uh live stream thing that we're doing that uh, this friday i guess yes, yes. That, um we actually have there's a little bit of a there's like a drum fill and drum break on in the outro part that i love that didn't make the record because we hadn't written it yet Ah. And so uh, <laughs> it's much cooler, but I was, we were trying to add it digitally in the recording. I was like, no, it just sounds way too fakey. So, um, but yeah, and I like that the, the outro to that one really reminds me of um, Helmet too, though, which oh, nice. I really like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. There's, there's yeah. bands have built entire careers sounding like that, but uh, <laughs> Anodyne. Uh, then is that uh, anodyne is I have been very interested to see how many um, people are listing that as like one of their favorite tracks on the record and yeah. and it being like they're like oh this sounds like an an anthemic like arena rock song because uh, to me it sounds like a pretty like it sounds a little bit tricky and weird mm-hmm. but I guess that when you put all of the parts together it boils down to something that that as a whole piece is it is kind of like just drive it just drives along uh so that was one that brian came in with that the kind of bass part uh which turns around in a weird way it's like a four note pattern but that it sort of like flips upside i don't know how to describe it but the 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 one flips back and forth yeah it's real subtle it's almost like a uh, um yeah Syncopate, uh, yeah, it's not really syncopation, but whatever. Again, music theorists will will write to yeah. immediately. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's like a the cycle of it is pretty weird and and rad. But then um, in the final version, you don't really notice because it's just like rhythmically, like the where the actual you know the pulses are stay even. It's just that yeah. where my finger is on the neck is like in a different place each time it comes around. So. For our brains, it's like, well, this is kind of weird, semi-tricky song. Um, but to the rest of the world, it's like, but, yeah, uh, it sounds like a Red Fang song, all right, you know. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Um, but uh, yeah, that one was pretty much all all Brian. Um, 
uh, David came up with some of the rad little squirrely squigglies. The 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 <laughs> thing that was gave us me- trouble with that bits. song was what was that? I said the meadly meadly bits. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That uh, it, like the choruses for that one. I was when we were writing it. It was just sort of like it was just those accents. It's like bow bow, bow 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 whatever. But then there's just this sort of like chaos at the end of each line. Yeah. That to me, I was like, during practices, you know, there's this inclination uh, to sort of like nail down what was happening during those parts. And I was like, no, 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 let's just leave it. Let's not write it. Let's yeah, just have it, it be chaos yeah. <laughs> every time that no one knows what's going to happen as long as we're coming back in on the beat. And I lost, but. <laughs> that's fine i think that because what happened was which i understand like it's hard to uh especially when you're going into a recording to just let it be completely like no one has any idea what's going to happen yeah but uh don't think of anything fuck now i'm thinking right. of something <laughs> right don't think of a uh fuzzy carrot right now right like, ah. <laughs> um but uh i love the, actually the way that um the sort of combination of you know, everybody's different ideas for those parts all uh, during the course does all kind of came together and created something that I actually think is super huge and kind of anthemic sounding. Um, uh, and then I also snuck in bass wise. Uh, one of my favorite songs of the last couple of years is this um, spoon song uh, called I saw the light. Oh, sure. Yeah. That. And, yeah. And the second half of that song, this instrumental part, is very much like I think that they must have been listening to that song Remember by uh, John Lennon mm. from Plastic Ono Band. Yeah, yeah. Because it has that same sort of like the bass part, I think, is in three, but then the drums are in two, you know? Yep. And it has this weird descending thing. that, And so I was like, oh, I'm totally ripping that off. So I did a similar descending <laughs> bass part that I was like, yes, I got a spoon bass line in to a Red Fang song. <laughs> That's awesome. Do you ever... Do you ever uh... Did you ever listen to a series of sneaks by Spoon? Oh, I don't know that one. So no. that that was my introduction to them, and it basically and it's a little more kind of uh, gnarly than the later stuff. Like a lot of people kind of came in at Girls Can Tell and Kill the Moonlight and stuff like that, which are great. But series yeah. of sneaks is like, yeah, that some of these songs kind of sound like Wire or something. Like oh, rad. But then it, like it ends with this like this incredibly like perfect pop song called Advanced Cassette. It's like oh my god, that's mm. like this is like your your elevator pitch for Spoon. Right, right here, uh, I'm looking it up after this. Uh, after we're done, you should check it. it. It's 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 quite good, and I'm just shocked by how many people like had never just they don't know from it because that's back when. Yeah. Um, I mean, that band has a storied history of of uh, you know their their A and R guy totally screwed them and 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 this and that and and so a lot of people kind of didn't like girls can tell was like their okay we're doing this we're getting back on the horse and that's kind of where a lot of people came in with it but yeah I mean I. To this day, I say that that record is incredibly underrated. And just uh, say, tell oh, me uh, the name of it again. Uh, uh, the Spoon record. Yeah, it's uh, the one. Well, I just said it a minute ago. What? What? Uh, fuck me. What is of it? sneaks. Something series. Else. Series. A series of sneaks. S N E A K S. Okay. Series of sneaks. Instead of a series cool. of snakes. Uh, right. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you should. You should. I. I. Anytime I know anyone is into. Uh, Spoon, uh, and it's their second record. Um, I always, I always say, "Oh, do you know, do you know a series of sneaks? Because that's really good." <laughs> yeah. Uh, cool. So, interrupt mod. That's like a yeah. little one minute. 
Uh, that's like probably the most straightforward uh, Red Fang song on the record. Yeah. It's just like a, you know, regular old rock song. It's four on the floor. No, it's uh, it was it's named after it was just, you know, it's an interlude. Yeah. Um, it was named after, I think, the keyboard that we used on okay. it. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, it sounds like a piece of gear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was. It's the name of the piece of gear that we used because um, Chris Funk often records like lots of just weird little. He's like, oh, that's cool. That thing you're doing on guitar, David. Let me record a loop of you doing that and then we'll throw on some other Running through this keyboards thing and stuff I got. like that. Yeah. 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 So that, yeah, that was like a, I think it was maybe even just Chris and, and, John playing. I don't remember who played the keyboard on that. So I probably was, uh, I was probably out buying smoothies when they were doing that one. <laughs> so I don't know a ton about it, but it sounds cool. And that one leads into uh, the song title that never fails to make me laugh. Uh, Fonzie's game. Yes. Uh, that was one that um, uh, one day, I don't know what was happening. I was just like, went to the practice space by myself and uh, tuned my bass way, way down and just kind of started fucking around with, I think I was just messing around with, I had just gotten my super fuzz pedal back. The oh, very first cool. uh, distortion pedal I ever bought, I was, you know, 15 or 16 or something. And I bought a super fuzz at the little guitar store in Fort Collins, Colorado. And I think I was just messing with different amps and that pedal. And I was like, this needs to just be, I was thinking of thrones, I'm sure. Yeah. And I was like, this needs to be lower. And so, <laughs> uh, yeah, so that one was um, a relatively quick composition as far as just the, the skeleton. It took some, uh, there was some labor that went into figuring out exactly what the second part was going to be. That went through a bunch of different forms, but it was a lot faster than like arrows. Um, and then the main thing of that, of course, that everybody notices is that there's uh you know, really good vocals. No, 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 no. It's the strings. <laughs> um, well, as a vocalist, I really felt that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that uh, th- and that was the situation where it was, I think it was Chris Funk. Well, I know it was Chris Funk who we were not really sure how to deal with the second half of the song because yeah. I only had vocals for the first half. And we tried some guitar stuff and it just wasn't really working the way that we wanted it to. We needed something to, to stand out more sonically. And uh, I think Chris had already been sitting on this idea for a while of broaching the idea of uh, bringing in some strings. And uh, I, at first, I think all of us were sort of like, mm, <laughs> it feels like maybe, maybe jumping the shark. Um, but but they have that on I this like a, record, which is like so like immediate and you know almost sounds like cool '90s basement band for, for some of the stuff. Like the baroque element of it just coming in like that is sort of like I did not expect that. Like it's, right, <laughs> yeah. And but and I think it's weird though because I feel like I mean we were of course you know we're not committed to putting it into the final mix. Yeah. So, you know, once it only took a second to realize like, why not bring them in and just see what happens. Yeah. And, uh, they were super good musicians. There's a couple sisters, um, who played viola and violin and 
you know, they had all everything like scored out and like printed out scores <laughs> of what their what their parts were. But it was cool because I think it was just Brian and I who were there, and we were you know we would offer suggestions for can you change this part? Can you do more of this thing or yeah. like do that repeating thing again here? And because they're actual real musicians. They would just like go scritch, 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 and then they would just do it perfect the next right. take <laughs> instead of like, oh, well, I need, you know, I'll have to practice that and figure it out and blah, blah, blah. It was just like, oh, yeah, we'll rewrite that and just next time we'll do it exactly how you just said. Yeah. Uh, Rather than like so being we, like a you know, little more like, no, 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 no. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Can you go just like more up, up uh, on that maybe. part? Let and, me see. Yeah. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Um, oh, wait, wait, wait. I think right. the intonation's off. Oh, yeah, the intonation's <laughs> off for sure. <laughs> so, yeah, so it was, um, it was super fun, like being able to work with them. And then uh, uh, the final version, I feel like it really. It is surprising, but it also because we had, you know, we had worked on the parts enough and like it doesn't seem tacked on them. at all. It doesn't. It, it seems doesn't like, seem what does not seem tacked on at all. It seems it seems no like no no. Fits, That's so. the thing is that it's 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 surprising because you never would expect strings to show up on a Red Fang song, and especially one that's just like this kind of heavy, you know, like dirty, like drop A whatever. Yeah. Um, but because of how much attention we paid to it and how good those uh the string players were uh and you know getting it mixed in there right i feel like it makes perfect sense once you Absolutely. once you hear it it fits perfectly yeah. uh it just is unexpected the first time you hear it that's awesome uh so then days collide uh another brian track that he came he came in with that one I think even well, that was like the most fully realized uh, song that he came up, came in with. Um, and uh, his parts were already like, I think he even had like a demo version of it where he had already had vocals on it and everything. Um, there was, I think a version where there was like a slightly different vocal harmony that I was like super into that didn't make the final cut. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that's like a pretty, you know, it's pretty epic and sort of depressing song um, that has the sort of semi-triumphant, but more, I guess, I would say not triumphant as much as... Um, uh, triumphant adjacent? That The sort of like middle part is, um, what's the word for not, I can't believe, the words fail me the older I get, but uh, uh, where you're like raging against, you know, whatever that sort of depression is it's uh oh uh... there's a ra really rad word for it that somebody knows um but he yeah, uh I, sh I should know this but yeah I, so... I, that's i've got the same problem man it's fine yeah <laughs> it happens more and more especially when you spent the last 20 years like shaking your brain inside of your skull <laughs> so it turns out yeah yeah turns out that it actually jumbles up all of the words in there pretty good it's like just a bunch of letters now. it's it's all one big burroughs cut up book in there exactly so but um and that was one that you know my perspective is usually on how to how did my part come about uh but um the base part on that one was another one where i think john and i both were struggling with that song quite a bit because the guitar was very well established on that that you know the main opening riff it's like real simple and sparse and doesn't need to do anything else yeah but it 
uh, we're used to writing or at least hearing riffs from Brian that are very, very directed and, and full. They're like full of activity and it's like, okay, well, there's this weird, it turns around weird here and there's this accent here. So I'm just going to play to that and just make that or, you know, play off of that or whatever. Yeah, and this is just sort of like yeah. blank slate sort of guitar part, which he rarely comes up with. Um, and uh, so it took me and John a while to figure something out. And then I eventually came upon that little sort of like moving baseline thing that I really liked uh, and only realized much, much later that it is, um, I'm going to forget, but it's a, uh, it's a Dr. Dre and Snoop song. <laughs> really? Okay. I did not catch yeah. that. Okay. I'm going to have to, <laughs> uh, I'll look it up later, but it's, um, it's not exactly the same notes. Right. Um, but it's like, there is a Dr. Dre song that if you go listen to it, it's doom, 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 doom. It's basically the same thing. It's almost exactly the same bass part. As long and as I was you, just like, I was, I was good, doing dishes and, and sorry, I was doing dishes and just had the stereo going and I was like, wait a minute. Oh, that's where I stole that song from. As, as yeah. long as, I was going to say, as long as you don't put a skit after it, I think it's fine. Right, right, right. Remember that when that was a thing? <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. I put skits on, you know, home recordings back in the nineties. Sure, sure. And, and there's good examples of it, you know. See, average, you know, how were the games this evening? Yep, exactly. <laughs> Which is from the Longmont tapes I learned later. It's oh, not, is it really? I thought it was. Yeah, it's not oh. them. It's just totally lifted from uh, uh, some uh, prank a prank call tape. Well, that's uh, uh, one of these days I'm gonna have John on, so I'll. I'll, I'll talk at length about that. I want to talk about Red Fang. Yes. Uh, so that's, okay, so that's that one. And then uh, Rabbits and Hives is uh, yes. after that. Um, that. That was one that um, uh, David had written that riff. Um, both, he basically wrote that whole song. It was just two part, a two-part song. Yeah. And I loved it from the beginning. Uh, I think actually the whole band, I was like gone from practice one day like five years ago, they wrote it just like that sort of like the opening riff has that kind of like weird turnaround thing. And we yeah. kind of futzed with it a little bit. Um, and they had kind of like come up with what they felt like was the most optimal version of that. And I was like, yes, that's awesome. And I love, loved the way it went into that second, like part that feels yeah. the feel is so different. And I remember having some sort of conversations about, does it make sense to do it? Like this because it really just feels like we're just playing two. We're gluing together two together. totally yeah. separate, separate songs. <laughs> oh, I got this riff, bro. Oh, I got this riff, bro. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But uh, but I I actually loved it. Like I love the contrast. I mean, it sort of reminds me a little bit of um, for some reason of um, uh, suicidal tendencies. Oh, of, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I can get you know, that. Yeah, for not sure. Sonically, but just that sort of like. We're playing this like fast thing, and then, and then just break down, hits and without any sort of like. <laughs> but you know, Black Sabbath did the same thing too. Yep. They would just totally shift gears partway through a song. Yep, and it was awesome. Fairies wear boots, man. Exactly. So <laughs> suddenly, I saw a wizard go by. I, oh shit, it's a wizard. You know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I was like, I don't think that there's necessarily a. It's not a crime to do that kind of thing, and so let's just see what happens. So it was another one of those like, let's just record it. 
yeah. and just see how it sounds. And it's so short and easy. And I think it turned out great. I love it. And you and guys, I was very happy that we did it. You guys have a few of those kinds of songs uh, over the various records. What's the is is there any kind of Red Fang ethos to song length? Because I'm always fascinated when a band can like pull off like doing something. Yeah, like the perfect example is like the Residents commercial album or something, right? But like when somebody can pull off like, oh, no, that's a really a song. Not like you know, Torch is very good at that as well. Yes. Uh, I mean, when I think of Red Fang, usually what I'm thinking of is like, you know, you got a cool riff and you're kind of laying into it and it does the thing for a while, then it kind of shifts to something else. But every once in a while you have these just kind of quick little, like, I already invoked Wire once, so I'll invoke it again. Like, Wire-esque, like, little little, little, little tidbits that's like, wow, that's a song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's fully yeah, completed. Like a, a snack. Yeah. A song snack. A song snack. Um, <laughs> uh, that's good. And... Uh, well, we I'm, there's like in Europe especially, but the, you're starting to have them over here too. They have those like they're like six ounce bottles of beer or something, and we call maybe it's not six. They're tiny. Okay. Maybe they're like eight ounces or something. Yeah, we supersize we call, them here, brother. <laughs> yeah, but we call them snack beers. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh, you know what? I've seen those. Yeah, you're right. I just I totally like redacted them from my memory until you mentioned that but yeah, oh, yeah i've seen those yeah but yeah so those are sort of like snack snack songs or something but uh we we have had discussions about you know there's different camps my my thought is i don't care at all how long the song is it just should be the right length to feel like a song, song yeah like if you have a song we've had songs that were one minute long that felt like it com- they had com- like the idea was completed yeah and any longer it would have been a waste actually one of my favorite songs was or, or short songs was um i think it was for murder the mountains that we did a song called pawn everything i don't think it made it on the it was like an outtake okay. but it's just this real short like real straightforward punk punkish you know vibe uh and the song is one minute long, and then there's an entire minute of feedback at the end, right. and just noises. <laughs> so just like the noise and feedback thing is as long sure. as that. Like, and I love that because I just love like who gives a shit, you know? Like yeah. it doesn't have to be, you know, perfect two and a half minute long pop songs every time. Yeah, there's no rules. So, no, no, exactly. That's I mean, for me, it's like the rule is: does it make sense as a song? Yeah. At this length, if it makes sense as a song in 34 seconds. That's great. And if it makes sense as a song, um, I, uh, my wife is heading up to practice right now. Oh, okay. Um, uh, as a, you know, 20 minute long song, then that's what it is. So, I mean, I love Yob. Yeah. And I love the descendants. Absolutely. Absolutely. uh, So we try to write songs that are right in the middle. Timely. Did you listen to that? The new descendants thing that that came out, The, 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 there's a, so there's a, um, I can't remember the guys. The guy before Stephen, uh, Stephen Edgerton, the <laughs> the one with all the yeah. really, um, uh, really angry uh, songs, like the <laughs> the really confrontational early songs. Yeah, they they released a record this week. Uh, that's all that guy. I'm I'm gonna get so much hate mail if I don't remember that dude's name. Um, you know what I'm talking about? Like the first uh, the first guitar player. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't remember his name, but I do know what you're talking about. 
uh, which th- that band w- made way more sense to me when I finally saw that documentary. Because, of course, like, you know, as a kid, I'm like, I don't know what these guys even look like, except for the singer, because he's on the cover. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Frank, Frank Nevada, Frank Nevada. So it's, oh, it's, yeah, 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 totally. It's called uh, Ninth, and Wal- Ninth and Walnut. And, cool, I'm uh, looking it up. It's, 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 it's pretty rad. And, like, the fact that for awesome. me, that came completely out of nowhere. I was like, oh, wow. Huh. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, having nothing to do. So, yeah, and you said the word descendant, so that made me made me think of that because they've been on my mind nice. this week. Uh, why? Uh, okay, so this one has a little bit more of a uh, story behind its development. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, uh, I don't know, eight a long time ago. A buddy of mine in Portland, uh, he worked for a music house as a composer and the music house he worked for were asked to put together a compilation of bands covering songs from Fraggle Rock to celebrate (laughs) the 30th anniversary of the show. That's awesome. I loved that show when I was a kid. (laughs) Me too. And he asked me if Red Fang would want to, um, there's a song that like the, the trash heap sang that was sort of just like this, like dirty blues song or whatever. And I was like, I would love to do a song from that show, but that particular song just feels way too on the nose and just kind of like, it would just be kind of dumb sounding, I think, if if we had done it. Yeah. Uh, so um, I was just like, I want to do this, but I don't, I have no idea what other song we would possibly do. And I was just kind of like flipping through episodes and just pull, it was like the very first one that I pulled up and started watching had a song called why on it, which is like this real introspective kind of weird song that one of the girl fraggles sings about like, why do doozers do the things that they do? And, Oh you know, yeah. 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 I remember that uh, one. Yeah. Absolutely. And so we covered it. We did, we made a f- like full fledged cover of that song, but that album kind of like didn't really, I feel like Henson's, production company was not as stoked on it as they wanted to be. And so I feel like it just kind of like was like, eh, with that record. So it kind of didn't, I mean, a few people have heard it, but not many. And we've always loved that song and arrangement. It's pretty different from some of our other stuff, but um, it's actually a like acoustic guitar song that I wrote with my old, like as my old band in the nineties was fizzling out. I just had kind of come up with that thing. And a friend of mine, Derek Oringer, Oringer, I always say his name wrong and I apologize. Um, he came up with like drums and bass for it, which actually, and, and another little guitar part, which I stole to put onto the our version. Um, sorry, Derek, but I actually talked to him about it. He's fine. Um, but yeah, that was like, and so I just kind of took a simplified version of this late 90s song that I'd written, dumbed it down, and then kind of rewrote the melody of this Fraggle Rock song. And then I rewrote the lyrics for the record to, you know, so that it's lyrics that were more specifically about my life and, you know, that were uh, not just the lyrics from a Fraggle Rock <laughs> song anymore. Um, sure. Yeah. yeah. Makes sense. <laughs> and, and so, and for the outro of that song, we had to go talk about Days Collide for a second because Days Collide has that really long kind of looping. Yeah. Uh, you know, epic outro thing. Yeah. Which is something that I feel like we do on it, you know, at least one song per Red Fang record. It's the law. And it's the law. Uh, and so 
uh, we were discussing whether or not we were going to do the same sort of thing for for why, because it feels like that outro should go on for a long time. But I was like, well, A, the original version, it stops right away. And I kind of like that it does. That's how I wrote it, you know, in 1998. Yeah. Um, partly because it is very obviously a just a rewrite of um uh that Beatles song um uh is it while my guitar gently weeps the the long outro to that song oh yeah and then it just uh, down yeah, down down, 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 down. down. Yeah, yeah okay down, sure 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 yeah 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 down 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 um i'm fuzzing out aren't i uh, but you know what I'm talking about. And then yeah, it just I, cuts I off exactly. on it all of a sudden. Just like very and every band in the 90s like rewrote that outro for right. one of their songs. Inclu- you know, Brian was like, oh, yeah, I did that too. Um, uh, that's not the right song. I Wrong song. No, title, it's, you know what song um, I'm talking about. Well, and it's, it's, and uh, it's the, the next song after it is real delicate and kind of, you know. Um, yes. Fucking hell. <laughs> this is what happens to you when you are almost 50. <laughs> Uh, this is the, uh, yeah, we, I, I, I call the show rock and roll dudes Googling stuff. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, she's so heavy. She's yeah, so heavy into, she's so uh, heavy. um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, uh, and, and the one after that is, uh, um, here comes the sun. Yes. That's what it is. Uh, it's funny because what's so stupid about this is that the demo version of that song, I actually just called she's so heavy. Because that was the, <laughs> re- the reference. Right, right, right. So right. for me to forget both songs, both <laughs> with the same name, is pretty special. That's fantastic. <laughs> so, but I, I, you know, partly because I just like, you know, I'm kind of an asshole sometimes. The way I like to, you know, I like to. I used to sing the Star Spangled Banner in the shower, and then I would stop before the last note just because it's aggravating, <laughs> you know, to not resolve. <laughs> And so I like the idea of that song, like evoking the outro of She's So Heavy. And you're like, oh, yeah, this is the thing. It's like built yeah. to be looped and then to have it just go twice and stop. It's yeah, like, what? Like, uh, but, uh, yeah. You know, <laughs> Andy Bernard from The Office would be freaking out. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, but, you know, leave him wanting more. Yeah, also, exactly. Just, just play, like a tight, tight play, pop song. Play the song again, you know. Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, Dr. Owl. Uh, that one was, uh, another Brian track that has a sort of like old school red fang feel to it, um, for the first half of it. And it just is like totally trucking along. Uh, the, the, this one was like pretty hard for us to figure out how to arrange it properly because it really is just like, there's a lot of at least from our perspective, the final version, you kind of can't really tell as we were writing it. There's a lot of like disjointed stuff that doesn't seem to fit together. And so trying to make it all flow properly was actually really, really hard. I yeah. feel like the end result is like, Oh, what? It doesn't sound like that at all, <laughs> right. which is a it Testament. Sounds like a red face. How hard right. yeah. to how hard we work. Right. No. <laughs> uh, it's a testament to luck and perseverance and that um adam the engineer of the of this track of the whole record um he was just like i know what you guys are talking about i know 
I feel that same thing that it's like all these parts need to be in there, but they're not flowing right. And so he just stayed at stayed late one night and just edited, did an edit of the song of all the parts. And it was like this part that you have going in here for like a really long time needs to happen later. And for only this yeah. one. Oh, cool. And like this yeah. part, you know, and like, he just sort of like cut it all together and we're like, Oh, that's, that's perfect. That's exactly the way it needs to be. And so, um, and then the outro part, the second half of the song, um, funk helped us a lot with like building how to get into that from, you know, cause there's that kind of big stop, so how do you transition? David, how do you get it from point exactly. A to point B, right? <laughs> exactly. And so we had like vague ideas, but he was just like, okay, here's what you, he really like helped us a lot with laying out the structure for that end part. But then I was like really, really, really into the idea of having my bass part line up with John's drums and have yeah. the accents from before line up with this new guitar part because it was like disjointed. But if you hear it enough times, then it starts to make sense. So the outro to that song, like, is pretty fucking weird uh, when you're trying to write it. And I feel like it probably, I don't know, I'd be curious what your impression was the first time you heard the second half. It was just like, this doesn't make any damn sense. I, or, I, I mean, it's something I actually didn't notice until the second or third time I listened to it. And then I was like, I was like, oh, that's a little no means no there. That's interesting. Like, and, and that, that was it. Because the thing is, the flow doesn't change, like, the, right. as the song. So you have to kind of be almost like... Not looking out for it, but like almost trying to 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 like just what am I? What did I not hear this last time? And I was like, oh, that's kind of huh? Was that always doing that? Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. As opposed to so, you know it being a very pronounced like, oh, it's doing the thing. We're doing the thing, everybody. We're doing right, the thing. Right. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, we don't like beat you over the head with it, but right. um, yeah, I just love. And then, but then the other thing that happened was that. I don't know know if it was intentional or accidental that while Adam was editing it, um, the drums on the outro ended up actually getting shifted over. Oh, interesting. So the beat actually, it's the exact same beat, but it just starts in a different place. Oh, I didn't get that. Okay. It's like right before it starts going faster again, right before the drums kick in going faster, they, they go like kind of like, they're shifted over like three beats or something. So it's exactly the same, but instead of starting on the one, well, what was the one? Everything else stays the same. It's just, just the drums move thing. over. How funny. Okay, now I got to listen so, to that. All right. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. Like from our perspective, it's like, whoa, that is cool. Um, and then we ended up like trying to do figure out some way to play it live because we played it, at, you know, at this show that we just did. Yeah and messed around with it and messed around with it. And it was like, oh, we actually just have to do it the way that he, Adam, cut it together. Right, that's the know, way it makes sense In the now. computer. Yeah. That's why, that's why it works is because it's weird in the specific way. And so we just learned that. And it, so that's one of the songs that we actually never played that song. Right. So it's- Until <laughs> a year and a half after we recorded it. And we didn't even play the version that you hear on the the record because it's you know drum edits and whatever yeah so, that, and that, I, go ahead yeah yeah I, I was gonna say that's a perfect example of uh, having an outside party in the room how how can make an in- integral difference uh, yes because again and, someone that especially understands you and is like oh no I I think I get where you're going for this but you have an unconnected series of islands and we need an archipelago here <laughs> absolutely and that was actually getting back for a second to working with Ross one of the things that's really 
helpful and instructive and cool and interesting about the way he does things. He's like part of the philosophy behind coming in and standing in the room with you while you're playing through your songs is he's like, it just makes you hear your own songs way differently. Yeah. If there's someone else in the room who's not actively playing, they like you suddenly just like you start to see things through their eyes also. And you start evaluating and you're like, Oh, actually this part that I thought was super cool. Now that I am thinking about someone else hearing it, it's like, Oh yeah, that actually doesn't make any sense. So, um, I think those are sort of similar ideas. That, that's like the uh, uh, the Heisenberg effect, right? The, yes. act, the act of observing something changes it, uh, which is yep. like, I, I, <laughs> that that's very much a only play the first four notes reading of Heisenberg, but uh, that's fine. It'll work right, for the purpose right, right, of right. this discussion. Sure, that's good enough for uh, <laughs> a some rock and roll show. Rockers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's good. Good enough for this. That, that's a good, go go listen yeah. to your Feynman lectures, you nerd. Um, yeah. Interesting. Okay, that's that's cool. I, I like that. Uh, and then, of course, so you, so you close out the whole the the proceedings with the funeral coach. Yeah, which um, is one that we've actually the first time we ever tried to record that song was with Chris Funk when we were doing uh, "Murder the Mountains." Right. So the first time we tried to record it was in two thousand nine, uh, and it was like. A part. It was a big part in the middle of another song. Uh, but that's a riff that Brian wrote in probably 2006 or something. Oh, like Murder that, of the Mountains kind of era, like around around that, like getting getting back yeah. there. Yeah. Okay. Yes, he wrote that opening riff a very long time ago, and we have always all of us have always loved that riff, but just could not figure out what to put it, you know, what to pair it with. It just never worked in any context. And because uh, anything that we kind of like paired with that riff would just like, it would take away from that riff, you right. know? And so I think we did the best that we could. I think that somebody else probably could have done a better job, but that's one of those ones where there was like a folder in my, I had a, you know, I have mute of like all of the archives of all of our old riffs in folders all over the place on my computer. And that one, has by far the most number of like, here's the OG, here's a slightly modified, here's the third, you know, modified number two, number three, whatever. And then like 25 different things that we've tried along with the original riff. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, trying and to so pair it up. <laughs> I literally just like put Marvel all of them into a into a Reaper um, uh, session and just moved them around. And it was like, what are the best? Let's just take the best ones. And I just built. I just built it out from all the different versions we've done in the past and then uh, ended up with what you hear, which is like, you know, probably good enough, but at least it's done now. Right. And well, and there's, and just speaking to the earlier point, like there's sometimes where you just have to respect the primacy of the riff itself. Like, you know, would, yes. would Boris be a better song with some guitar center bro shredding over it? No, it would not. Like it's, it's, no, that would be terrible. Please don't do that. And, yes, exactly. And I mean, it's. I think there's. Again, uh, for for a band that is very comfortable with its own voice and comfortable with it, with its strengths, the fact that you can recognize, like, okay, you know, maybe maybe that's not the time for that to boogie necessarily, you know, or maybe that right. is the time for it to boogie. Like, who knows? Like, 
Yeah. Like, I'm, I, I'm not pro or anti-boogie, to be clear, but I'm just saying. <laughs> right. And I think also with that, with that, um, that kind of gets back to that song sort of gets back to that, like, quantity over quality thing or whatever, that focusing on quant- quantity is actually what's most likely to get you to quality. Right. Uh, that that was one of those ones that we belabored that song for 12 years or something. Right. <laughs> and could have probably just, you know, we could have pooped it out a lot faster. Like it's, it's, I like it and I'm happy with the way it turned out, but I don't think it needed 12 years to get to the, you know, to be <laughs> like, it's fine. It's not like, it's clearly not, you know, a, uh, all time, you know, great song of ours or of anybody's. It's yeah. like fine. And I love that riff. And as long as that riff is out there, that's great. And, um, but yeah, the, my favorite part of that song, my, I mean, is the riff, of course, the opening riff. But then also, uh, I'm pretty into the, um, the song title. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, so, so first thing I want to say is that like not every song has to be a five star general, right? Doesn't exactly. They, they don't. They don't. They still. They still can help you win the war, even if they're not the five star general, and that's okay. Uh, but yeah, yes. evocative song title. Like, I mean, that's another one. Uh, you know, Fonzie scheme in that one. I was like, oh, that's that's funeral coach. What would that look like? That's that's yeah. That's hilarious. Well, so Fonzie scheme. I should I should give credit. Uh, uh, John is the one who came up with the title for that because we were um, we were riffing on it, and he was like. Why does it sound, you know, what what's going on with this song? Because it sounds like a lot heavier than some of the other riffs or whatever. Or maybe I was talking to Brian and David about the fact that I'm tuned down to drop A. That doesn't mean that you guys have to tune to that, but that's just that's, that's why you're at, yeah. when you see me playing these frets, it sounds weird and different. And uh, yeah, and so John was like, "Oh, we should call this song Fonzie Scheme because it's in A." <laughs> Ah, comedic stylings of John Sherman. I like it. That's right. Uh, and funeral that's coach good. was that's one. Funny. That, I mean, that's a much better. I should have ended with that one because that's a much better punchline. Yeah. Um, but, I'm uh, glad you got it in. Funeral, because we, we we forgot. Yeah, it yeah, yeah. Well, just shift it around. Yeah, I know yeah, you can't yeah, do it in exactly. the live version. But, I'll get my producers on it. Yeah. Um, Fonzie scheme. I was like, just. I mean, sorry. Uh, funeral coach. I was driving down the freeway, and I saw a a hearse yeah that it was like funeral coach services and i was like that'd be really weird the, uh, it just immediately just because that's what my brain does like i thought of a guy with a whistle around yeah, I was, his I was neck. do they have a whistle yeah yeah exactly <laughs> like, really you need coaches for that i feel like people generally already kind of know how to feel yeah but uh so that was, yeah, I just couldn't get that image out of my head. And so I had to, it was just a working title, but then we just, we stuck with it. And the song kind of, lyrics kind of make sense with it now too. So it worked out okay. Yeah, it's like telling people to like run laps if they're not grieving correctly or something, you know. like Right, exactly. <laughs> Drop and give me 20. That's, that's, that's pretty great. 20 more tears. <laughs> 20, fuck. <laughs> so that's Arrows. Uh, like I said, I, 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 I think this record is... Uh, Amongst you guys is best, and I think it's it's very, uh, it's it's very interesting. Rewards multiple listens, and I think that uh, there's there's a lot for folks to love here. So, uh, redfang.bandcamp.com, relapse, all the normal places you can think of to get music. You got this um, stream. 
coming up in in our personal timelines. Uh, yes, <laughs> it's going to be the end of the week, right? It's, uh, yes, the thirtieth, I believe. How are folks? Uh, where where's that streaming at? That's uh, I, I should have that in front of me. I don't. Sorry. Uh, it's at in dot live. And I'm not sure, I think, I mean, that's where you go to see it. I don't know where you go to buy it, actually. But if you look on our Instagram, it'll have all the information. Just just, just, just be like a, a dutiful older rocker and Google it. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's what I would, like, right now, if I were to actually tell you details, that's exactly what I would do is Google it and figure it. Cause where I is it? Know. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, the, the last thing I wanted to say, uh, and I meant to bring up last time, uh, I really appreciate how you guys bring... Uh, support bands with like when you when you, you go out on tour mm. you it seems like you take a special effort to bring bands that your audience can kind of get into that that maybe wouldn't have the chance to play to a larger audience like that and, and it occurs to me too that how much the music world would be a much better place if more people took that care and effort uh with it but i mean is that just like do you feel like that's just an extension of how you guys came up from that world and you know just playing with bands that you like and playing with bands that you want to turn people on to like what's What's the motivation for that? Because I, I, it's something that I've absolutely noticed with you guys, and I just wanted to comment on that. So I think it's cool as hell. Well, thanks. Um, we definitely do take uh, a good amount of. Um, uh, we put a lot of care, and we t- uh, uh, put time in to try to uh, find and promote. You know, find bands that we really like. Uh, whenever we get submissions from our agent for tours for support we like listen through all of them and make little notes and discuss it with each other uh and but in most cases we're always trying to just tour with uh bands that we already know and like because they're our friends or because they're some band that we're a fan we're fans of and that comes from a combination of you know we want things to just we want to be excited about the other bands that we're touring with right. and we want to like be stoked to watch the other bands every night. Uh, but there's also this, like we learned a lesson touring with clutch and with Mastodon that those guys also totally do it that way. They're like, yeah, they don't even need to bring support bands anymore. Right. Like the support bands <laughs> yeah, don't, don't have to. Yeah. fill the seats. <laughs> Those see those all of those venues would be totally sold out if they just played by themselves, and they definitely take you know like Clutch and Mastodon both took chances on us, and were extremely gracious and nice to us and supportive of us and all you know the kind of crap that we needed and the, and the learning curve that we were um, experiencing you know having never really toured with big professional productions like that. And so we've always felt a you know sense of gratitude to them for that. And uh, it just is like real obvious to us that you wouldn't just be like, well, whatever the, you know, what's the best business move? We'll just do that. And we'll just bring whatever band is going to, yeah. you know, fill the seats or whatever. And in a lot of cases, we've, we've like kind of fought with, you know, it's not like, not like, real fights are just like punching and stuff, punching and kicking and hair pulling um, with our more wrestling. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. With, you know, like with management and booking agents over like wanting to bring a band that, that, you know, they're like, well, they don't necessarily have as much, you know, like they aren't good for as many tickets. And we're like, we don't care. We want, you know, 
we want other people to know about this band because we are stoked on this band. Um, and if it's like, and it's, you know, but to be fair, our management and agency have also brought a bunch of rad bands to our attention. Like, yeah. And they do have good suggestions a lot of the time and it's their job to do exactly that, which is to suggest bands that are going to fill the seats. Um, and it helps us and the other bands. And so sometimes there's bands that we wouldn't have heard of, heard about otherwise. And, uh, well, actually a great example, the first time I ever heard of, um, whores was Mm. through our old agent. He was like, there's this new band. They have like one EP out. Here's their EP. I'm sending it to you. And we were like, yes, we want to tour with those guys. Um, and yeah, there's been a bunch of, or like even our old, our, the label for our first record, she puts out a lot of really great records and Kathy does. And we'll mention bands that we wouldn't have heard of otherwise. And, and we're just stoked on them. And so we want to bring yeah. them out. So uh, we're real lucky because we're not, you know, we're not as big and we'll never be as big as Clutch or Mastodon, but we have enough of a draw that we can actually pay forward some of that, you know, the good fortune that we have to help other people that we're stoked on um, reach more people than they would otherwise. Yeah, man. And I think, I think that's cool. And the, yeah, the whole pain of forward thing is very cool. And like I said, I I think that it's, it's an application of shine theory too. It's sort of like everybody looks better together, you know, like nobody's taking anything away from anybody else. Like it just is like, as you just, you're just making this like Red Fang cinematic universe that <laughs> includes all these other awesome bands as well, which is yeah. I'm surprised more bands well, don't do it. I don't know. It is no, no names because mentioned. The other but... thing, <laughs> right, right. But it, it's it's a weird thing because like we wouldn't exist if it weren't for other bands like that. That's yeah. where we get you know that's our inspiration is from bands that we're stoked on. So as I think everybody is like they you write music because you hear other bands you hear music and then you're like that is rad i'm gonna do i want to do something like that yeah absolutely yeah nothing happens in a vacuum right, <laughs> right? exactly i think we talked about that at the, on the first one we too. probably did i i yeah I, you know and it's it's hilarious to me because one of my biggest pet peeves is like uh repeating myself and then i the, the cruel irony is i do it constantly on this show but well whatever everybody does <laughs> yep <laughs> But that said, hey, you know what? When something's true, something's true, and it bears repetition. So I'm going to turn that That's back right. around. <laughs> exactly. Like if you what if, if you wrote a song that didn't repeat any parts, it would suck. Yeah, <laughs> I definitely. There's definitely sometimes I did that as a younger man. Where I'm like, what am I? What was, why did was I getting paid by the part here? Like what? Why? Why not right. have this happen again? Like why just do this like for two measures? Stupid. Yeah. Uh, Aaron, always a pleasure, sir. Uh, looking forward to the stream. Redfang.in.live. Go get it. Uh, you found it. Five bucks. I did. <laughs> I Googled it. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, for, so for those listening to it, uh, uh, you, you know, this week, it's going to be archived or is it just like got to get the tickets? and It will. I think it'll be available for like 48 hours and then and they're, they archive everything. So there's probably a point at which it will be available again Killer. somewhere down the road. But, but of course, everything's... Uh, Everything is a constant horror show right now, especially being a musician. So uh, five bucks, man. Come on. I've seen yeah. I've, I've seen lesser bands charge more. Let's put it that way. 
Yeah. <laughs> I hope I hope that it's I hope five bucks is in a ripoff. Yeah, yeah. I think I think I think you're doing great. Uh Aaron, thanks so much, sir. Appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Till next time. All right. There he goes. Mr. Aaron Beam. Part two. Red Fang. Uh Arrows is the name of the record. Uh redfang.bandcamp.com. Uh it's on relapse. Uh go get it. Let's hear a tune. Let let's we talked so much about it. Let's hear let's hear a tune or two here.
so heavy how did i not catch that that's hilarious yeah, and before that fonzie scheme uh, as discussed both excellent songs from the record arrows by the band red fang redfang.bandcamp.com they're up there relapse all that good stuff uh yeah i dig this record a lot i hope you guys do too and if you haven't already check it out Actually, I'm going to go and say, if you haven't checked in with Red Fang in a while, check it out. I think you'll find some stuff to love there. So, that's my personal assessment. That uh, Red Fang live thing, uh, redfang.in.live. Five bucks. Come on, man. You can do way worse than that. I'd like to thank Aaron for coming in for round two on Protonic Reversal. Love having that guy on. Uh, interesting band. 
Name of the show, of course, is Code of Neutron's Protonic Reversal. Thank you so much for listening to it. This show airs on RadioNope.com live. 8 Eastern, 7 Central, 6 Mountain, 5 Pacific. Usually Thursdays. It's another quarantine edition, though. You can find all the archives at ProtonicReversal.com. Always free. No ads, no sponsors, no kidding. Mr. and Mrs. America, all the ships at sea. But if you do like the show and you want to get episodes sooner, Patreon.com slash ProtonicReversal. One dollar a month will achieve that goal, help support the show, all that good stuff. I've got... 50,000 watts of power. Thanks so much to everyone, as always, for uh, sharing the shows around, uh, liking, subscribing on YouTube, uh, reviews, all that stuff. It seems absurd and silly, and it is, but it helps people find the show, and that, that's much appreciated. Thank you for listening as well. This microphone turns sound into electricity. Stay safe out there. Out on Route 128. And take it easy. I got my radio on. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? to my top 10. I'd like to thank our sponsor. But we haven't got a sponsor. Not if you were the last man on earth. She was prepared to prove it. This one goes out to a special girl. There is no special girl! It's the... It's the end of radio! The last announcer plays the last record! The last what? 
leaves the transmitter, circles the globe in search of a listener. Can you hear me now? If there's no one there to receive It's the end of radio As we come to the close of our broadcast day See?